Welcome to episode 42 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to current events and pursue truth as we seek to live for Christ. Good evening, Helen. It's been a, a little bit of a, a break since our last podcast. How are, you, how are you doing today? Good evening. I'm well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a few weeks, hasn't it? It has. It has. Time flies by, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I was going to say time flies by when we're having fun, but I mean, I've actually, I have had some fun because... You've been I'm, on holiday. I've been You've on holiday. Yeah, I went to went to Wales and uh, it was amazing, actually. Um, it's been a long time since I've been, been to Wales on holiday and I just forget what a beautiful country it is and... Um, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just amazing, actually. And the weather was, weather was good as well, which was a bonus. Was good. It yeah, was definitely. Well, I'm off to Wales uh, next weekend. Oh, really? Uh, not, not on holiday. I'll be working. But um, are you working? Where, whereabouts yeah. in Wales, roughly? Uh, the Rhonda. The Rhonda. Okay, yeah. help me out here. Where, whereabouts is the Rhonda? Uh, the valleys. Kind mm-hmm. of go to Cardiff and go up. Go, Cardiff and go up. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you're a bit further south of us because we went yeah. to Birmingham and then turned left. Yeah. So that that's how we got to our part of Wales. So bit further ah, north. Bit further mm. north. It's a nice nice part of the world. Um, well, look, a lot's happened, hasn't it, in terms of um, what's you know world events and and uh, events in this country even. And I think we'll just we we've got a, an interesting topic for this particular podcast, but we just wanted to just touch very briefly on uh, a, a few a few things that have been uh, hitting the headlines. And I think first first of all is just that um, reminder that 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 sadly the whole excess death thing is is still. Uh, um, is still relevant, isn't it? And it, it goes largely unreported, doesn't it, Helen? Um, I think, think people like John Campbell, who we've mentioned a number of times, has, has actually been uh, raising this particular issue. But it, it, it perhaps has dropped down slightly now, isn't it? But it's still it's still certainly um, certainly an issue and something that we should be hearing more about in the news, but but don't. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's an international issue. Excess deaths in many countries um primarily the uh, most highly vaccinated countries which is significant i think and worthy of investigation but nobody seems bothered no they don't no they don't and it's it it really is a, a, a travesty um and yet and yet uh, this like this just this week we've or the last few few days at least we have seen AstraZeneca in the news, and uh, they were all over the pages of the newspapers a few days ago because they uh, are going to be uh, sued, basically, for um, uh, a defective vaccine, which is which is something that a lot of people, us included, have been talking about for well a couple of years now. And uh, but it's it's coming into the mainstream. It was it was quite it's quite something to see that, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, it was. Yeah, um, quite widely reported, which was maybe a bit of a surprise. It was, and and I think what, what kind of I guess um, comes to mind is that when one particular paper ran ran a full uh, full front page on, on all of this, and and it was a Telegraph. And uh, one of the journalists, Alison Pearson, was saying 
basically there's there's no shame in being against giving a vaccine to groups who didn't need it and which caused people to be dead who should be alive and taking their eight-year-old son to school. That's quite a turnaround for The Telegraph, which um, has been until recently pushing the same narrative as everybody else, which is, you know, get vaccinated, wear a face mask, social distance, all, all the rest of it, all the things that we've been saying, well, hold on a minute, that doesn't actually uh, stack up and stand up to scrutiny. And now the, uh, well, now the chickens are coming home to restart, aren't they, I think? And I think the AstraZeneca one will just be the the start of, of what we're going to see over the next few few months, perhaps. Do you reckon that's going to be the case? Well, I hope so. I hope so, um, because there needs to be accountability and people who have lost family members or who have been, you know, terribly um, disabled, whose lives have been changed forever, they, um, you know, they there needs to be some accountability. Mm. Um, and and for those people, you know, they need to they need some compensation so they can live. Yeah, totally. Um, AstraZeneca themselves apparently uh, have said to uh, the Telegraph, in, in this case, that they said that normal thing of uh, patient safety was its highest priority, that uh, its vaccine, which uh, was rebranded called Vaxzevira, had continuously been shown to have an acceptable safety profile and that regulators around the world consistently state that the benefits of vaccination outweigh the risks of extremely rare potential side effects. I'm, I'm rather intrigued by that phrase, acceptable safety profile. That sounds um, a bit lame to me. Yeah, and you know, who, who is it acceptable to? Acceptable. I mean, it's either it's either good or, you know, acceptable is in the realms of being subpar isn't it well it could be just read barely like that. acceptable you know it's like oh really Oof, that's that's not exactly a, a glowing endorsement is it of your uh of your jab no and and if they're saying that patient safety was their highest priority then if that were the case i would have expected them to have conducted proper safety trials yeah yeah which they didn't Exactly, exactly, and and of course, you know, we were we were told um, uh, numerous times, many 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 times, actually, over the last uh, three years, well, two years, actually, sorry, with, with regards to vaccines, you know, that they're safe, that they're effective, that they'll stop you ending up in hospital, it will stop you dying. There's even that famous clip of that uh, doctor, the lady doctor, on, I think it was um, this morning, and you could see the then presenter Philip Schofield in the background like wide-eyed as as this enthusiastic young doctor was basically saying if you have the AstraZeneca dab jab it will um it's a hundred percent effective it will stop you dying it'll stop you being in hospital and, and Philip Schofield was going well why aren't we shouting about this and she's saying well I'm here telling you and the irony is it it's just total nonsense it's an absolute lie what she's saying and yet I think the clip is still on <laughs> Online. So where's the disinformation there? Because that is clearly so untrue. It's out of the court. Um, But uh, yeah, so it, it, it is, it it is a real, um, it's going to be, I think over the next, certainly a few months, maybe, maybe next few years, sadly, we're going to see continued fallout from this, which is, which is tragic actually. And was so unnecessary as well. Um, and I, I know 
you know, I've got family members who I think have have suffered because of the vaccines. Um, I I even I even know people who have had a mixture of vaccines, having AstraZeneca one moment and Pfizer the next, which is appalling, considering they don't know what one vaccine does, let alone when you mix two different ones together. I mean, well, this this year is disgraceful, um, absolutely disgraceful. It is, and and this year's experiment is um, sticking a COVID jab and a flu jab all at the same time. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to do that, Which at least no one make knows sure that, if that will well, be no right. One knows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, make make yeah. sure at least that it's going to be uh, safe and effective. And uh, clearly, these vaccines are neither safe nor effective. But it's interesting to note anyway that the Telegraph is basically saying, "Oh, well, actually, now we shouldn't be uh, forcing young people to." Uh, take a take a jab they don't actually need well they've really changed their tune of the telegraph haven't they as have any other media outlets who would say the same thing now yeah uh, but that's sadly the world we live in it is and just on that i mean there's still you can still find plenty of places where this safe and effective um is is being used and um John Campbell the other day gave an example where one of his listeners had said they just had a text from the nhs uh, telling them that they need to get their COVID jab and saying that it was um, better than it would give better protection than any any natural immunity could give, and he then proceeded to um, go through a number of studies which show that that's not true at all, and that uh, that's now showing natural immunity giving protection far greater. I mean, he, he was showing. Uh, protection 13 times greater for infection and 27 times greater for symptomatic disease. Wow. Wow. Well, that's a huge number. 27 times greater protection from natural immunity when compared to so-called protection given by a vaccine. Mm. Astonishing. it, it is astonishing. And and all the, the, the previous, you know, the last, what, three years, is it now? Two years? Um two or three years, you lose track of time, don't you, with this whole yeah. um, COVID thing. Uh, it was very, the narrative was, oh, we must we must follow the science, we must take the jab, and anything that flies in the face of that is, is disinformation, conspiracy theory, dangerous lies. Well, actually, it's the opposite. <laughs> and... Um, We've been saying this a long time on this podcast, but we're just one of many, one of many who have been um, sounding an alarm for a long time now. And I think the thing is, at the end of the day, is to just be, you know, alert to what's happening. Um, but I think also we've got to remind ourselves that we, we, we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and there may be people listening to this podcast who have taken a vaccine and thinking and maybe wondering, well, what's going to happen? Is any, is anything going to happen? And the truth is you have to commit that to God and you have to put your trust in him um, because ultimately the Bible tells us that our days are in his hands. And mm. uh, I think uh, we, we, commit, we commit ourselves into his care and he will look after us but at the same time we should we also need to be wise about what we put in our bodies yeah and uh i think yeah anyway 
So one one of the things that have been in in the news a lot recently is of course Israel and in our last podcast in episode 41 we did cover um a little bit of that and we talked about uh, replacement theology and what we believe is is right around that or not as the case may be so do have a listen to uh, our previous episode and we'd encourage you to do that but certainly things are very fast moving regarding um the situation in Israel and it's been in the news, obviously, a lot in this country, particularly around uh, what, what would be called the, the pro-Palestinian uh, protests that have been going on in London and other major cities in the UK. And it was only this morning that we had the kind of shock news, if you like, that Suella Bravman had been removed as Home Secretary, which uh, which was quite quite a surprise, wasn't it, Helen? Uh, yes, although she had just written an article, hadn't she, which apparently hadn't been signed off or something. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think her, she's she was too conservative at the end of the day for the Conservative Party. Yeah, she was. Mm. She was, which which is a bit weird because I think the the, con- the Conservative Party are conservative by name only because for for years now they have they have simply facilitated. Um, almost socialist policies in in the United Kingdom, and certainly, if you know, if you think about um, what what's what's happened in terms of the melting pot that we now have in the country, which which has been allowed to reach a boiling point, I think, and we've seen this um, manifested itself in these protests we've seen in London and other places. So so the government are facilitating this. And then at the same time, they have a government minister, Suella Braverman, who's who's saying, well, hold on, we need we need to be firmer about these things. We need to have a, a clear handle on, on immigration so that's done properly. Mm-hmm. We need to be uh, not facilitating um, mass marches in support of terrorist organisations like Hamas, for example, so the government can do one thing and then allow Suella Braverman to say what most people would agree with. Yeah. And yet they sack her. Yeah. And, and that I think really shows yeah. what's going on, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And that's, I think that is true. I think most people, you know, I don't know most people, but, um, you know, when you talk to people generally a lot, particularly older people, um, would were supportive of her. They're concerned about uncontrolled immigration they're deeply uncomfortable with um what they've seen in these protests and uh the anti-semitism um so yeah uh, it's it's it's, it really is is quite something isn't it i mean one prominent tory wrote today in in i think it was the telegraph he said the sacking of suella braverman removes a champion of orthodox conservative policy that is popular in the country uh, well, it, it, that's all very well, but a champion of conservative policy, which conser- conservatives <laughs> don't ever adhere to, it's just uh, it's just mm. hot air. But the re- the reason we're mentioning all this is because it, uh, we've had Remembrance uh, Day, Armistice Day, and um, there was a lot of focus around a cenotaph in London about how that might be targeted and the police have come under fire for for having double standards which sadly they 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 do appear to have i mean we now have a situation in the united kingdom where people are allowed to say such things as this so one pro-palestinian protester said hitler knew how to deal with these people 
talking about the Jews. That's actually what somebody said uh, mm. the other day. Uh, another person said, the continued existence of Israel is a war crime. And yet another person, another this was a, a lady, was chanting death to all Jews. So this is in the United Kingdom in 2023. And mm. it really is quite shocking. And unfortunately, we've reached the point where not only is this okay in the United Kingdom, but actually this has been facilitated by the state. It's been facilitated by the government over many years of policy decisions which have been deliberate and intentional. And that's why somebody like Suella Braverman is simply a puppet, I'm afraid, to be ejected when they've served their use useful purpose. And it's really, it's really... Uh, it's shameful. I think the thing to bear in mind as Christians is that, that that when a country, say like the United Kingdom, ditches its Christian foundation, then there's no longer any chance of having moral absolutes. And instead you have a vacuum. And in that vacuum, your only solution is to kind of legislate. That, that, that's your mechanism for morality is legislation. And the thing is, more and more legislation is never the answer, and that's what we have now. If you, because if, the reason is, is because if you have to tell people what is good and bad through the application of force, i.e., legislation, then something is fundamentally broken, and that yeah. is the situation that we have in the United Kingdom. And I would imagine it's not just in the United Kingdom. Um, yeah, you know what I mean. It's, yeah. And I think as well, I, I don't know where, how you sit on this one, Helen, but there should be free speech. I, I think there, there should be free speech. People should be allowed to say what they want to say. However, this should be tempered by the agreed values within a society. So that might mean whilst, whilst someone is free to say what they like, they, they do so knowing that they then may well be at odds with the foundational principles that hold that society together and that community which they are a part of together. And that's, that's the crux of this. That's why you can have free speech, because it works within that framework. And it's that, it's that that makes it function, not legislation. And I think this is how we should... This is the principle that should un underpin how we function collectively as a society. And this is the very thing that we have lost. And I, I think and I believe we have lost it because as a nation, the United Kingdom, we have rejected God. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a different view of that, Hannah? Is that how or, or not? No, that, that's, that is how I see it. Um, and I think this this idea that we can have a secular society whatever that means um it's just nonsense um like you say if you create a moral vacuum uh, something will will come in and and if there are no moral absolutes um yeah you're in a very dangerous place you i are. think um i was interested to see um Constantine Kissin was talking about or was addressing this issue of um, free speech and uh, people, you know, on this these marches who are chanting from the river to the sea, mm. uh, Palestine will be free. And 
and what does that mean? And obviously he's Jewish. And the point he made, he said, the thing is I I kind of I want to defend their right to free speech and to say those words. But on the other hand, he said actually I think many of them don't actually understand what they're saying. They don't understand what mm. that means. And what mm. that means is the removal of all Jews. Yes. And they're not yes. understanding what they are saying. Some are understanding what they're saying. Clearly, the lady you said about death, who was saying death to all Jews, un you know, understands exactly what she's saying. Yeah, and and I think this this is 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 a really important point. I think we touched on this in our previous podcast, and and it's really important for Christians, particularly, to understand this when it when it comes to Israel as a nation. Israel is surrounded by countries that effectively want it wiped off the map, and and that's the context in which they're in. And this is not to say, therefore, that everything that Israel as a nation does as the nation the government israel does is is right that's not saying mm -hmm. that at all but it is recognizing the the situation for, for what it is um and i think yeah it's 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 so it's so it's so important it's so important to kind of have a grasp of this uh and there's, there's so much there's so much nonsense and it, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it. You just you 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 see you see a you see a lot of kind of yeah. There's so much bile in this as well, sadly. And there's also double standards. Um, what's what's happened, in, particularly in particularly in London, but but other places in the UK. Um, I mean, you had, for example, you had protesters, um, you know, protesting about uh, the situation in, in Gaza. So pro-Palestinian protesters, if you like. One of them scales a building um, to, I think, let off a flare while the police hold his Palestinian flag at the bottom, waiting for him to come down off the scaffolding. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just bonkers. Um, and, and unfortunately, the, I think the police have, have displayed double standards and, and it's nothing starker, perhaps, than when you maybe compare baying mobs of pro-Palestinian protesters to, uh, screaming for the destruction of Israel, and then compare that to somebody praying silently outside an abortion clinic. And how the police reacted to these two situations is completely uh, the opposite. And uh, there's a the lady in question who was praying outside the abortion clinic was somebody we've mentioned before, Isabel Vaughan Spruce, um, who has has previously been arrested for doing this very thing. She's silently praying outside an abortion clinic, and uh, yet she will be accosted by the police for doing that. Meanwhile, people can yell and shout and chant anti-Semitic hatred and be allowed and facilitated to do that. Mm. Something is fundamentally broken in our country for that to happen. I mean, it really is. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's it is it is a bit it is a bit uh, it is a bit crazy. Would you want anything to add on that one? Or um, well, just on that. I mean, I watched the video of the police officer. I think oh, the police officer, PCSO officer. Yeah, we should we should link to that. Should we? Her. Um, she was clearly reading from a script um, 
Yeah, she I'm seemed a... to have a spreadsheet in front of her or something on a piece of paper. <laughs> and it's like, think. what to do next sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, but yes, it's crazy, isn't it? And I was thinking because it's been Remembrance Sunday yesterday and, um, you know, what would our grandparents or great-grandparents, what would they think after going through the war and, you know, so much sacrifice um, to see what was going on yesterday and to see what happens to people like Isabel and her silent prayer. It, it is it is crazy, isn't it? On one on one on one hand, you have yeah yeah you have people in London saying, oh, almost basically saying, well, Hitler's solution with with the Jews was was the right one, and they're allowed to say that. Mm. And then you have a lady like Isabel, who is standing on a street, not saying anything to anybody. She's praying, and she is fined by the police. Mm. I mean, it's it, it, it's. Meanwhile, inside the building, she's outside of the murder of the unborn is taking place, mm. and that's the reality. And it's an uncomfortable reality, but that is the reality. And it's and it's shocking as it is appalling, sadly. And and I think as Christians, look, we we've got to we've got to be okay with facing up to the reality of things. Um, because it's only then that we can, I think, we can pray effectively, and we can, um, we can seek to to get ourselves right before God by by coming before Him in repentance, seeking His mercy, seeking His grace, asking Him to use us for His purposes to bring about some kind of change in in our in our society. I think that's the only that's the only way for mm. for christ to be proclaimed and and evil to be to be stopped um and ju- just a just a, a minor thing here but this was this was again an interesting thing that came came up is that often when big things happen in the news like has been happening with with israel and the, and the things in uh, about about pro-palestinian pr- pr- protests and things like that and whether you know articles about whether the cenotaph is going to be desecrated by hamas and all this sort of thing just a small thing, but it's a significant thing. The European Parliament and Council agreed to implement the European Digital Identity Wallet. And uh, we can probably cover more of that in a different podcast, but that has uh, snuck through largely um, largely unknown in, in the mainstream. But that is a significant thing, sadly, in, in our ever-increasing uh, pace towards digital identity and presumably um, central bank digital currencies. Yeah. Well, I saw I saw one of the uh, people, one of the powers that be saying we have to put something in it. So we now have this digital identity wallet. We need something to put in it. Really? Yes. What's that going to be then? That will be the CBDC. Yeah. And 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 you know what I mean it, for for us the people on the street I think one of the things forefront in my mind has been you know what I'd like my government to do above all else is to uh, facilitate a digital id and uh, and and bring about a central bank digital currency that i can use because that has of course been at the forefront of my mind as i know for you helen that's been a massive thing i mean you you can forget oh, wait yeah you, you can forget <laughs> all the other things you've been talking about because clearly digital id is the most important thing 
Um, but anyway, yes, it had, does have significant ramifications, as we have spoken about before, and I'm sure we will speak about again. Just before we move on to our main topic, sorry, this is this is a long introduction, isn't it? But it's, <laughs> wor- it's worth mentioning because there is so yeah. much there is so much happening at the moment. Um, there's, there was a there was sadly a, a dear little uh, baby girl, Indy Gregory, who was mm-hmm. eight months old. Um, some of you may know about her. She was diagnosed with a rare. Uh, is it mitochondrial mitochondrial yes, disease? Mitochondrial, mitochondrial disease. Um, yeah. complex and 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 rare. Um, and her parents maintained that despite her disability, that that she she was a happy baby, responsive to their touch, and she had been in uh, pediatric intensive care in in Nottingham. Anyway, um, she died. Um, on Monday, the 13th of November, because she had her life support removed. And this was because a High Court judge ruled that it is in the best interests of Indy Gregory to have her life support removed. Let's read that again, so that can sink in. A High Court judge has ruled that is it that it is in the best interests of Indy Gregory to have her life support removed. So if you're if it's in your best interest for you to be dead, how is that in your best interests? Mm. How does that work when you're an eight month old baby? It's very hard not to get very angry about this. I find it extremely upsetting. Um, this wasn't a situation where they were expecting the NHS to keep her on life support forever. This was a situation where they had actually they'd found somewhere in Italy mm. where they were prepared to treat her, to to try a new treatment. They had set everything up so that she could be taken to Italy at no cost to the NHS, at mm-hmm. no cost to the taxpayer. Even the Italian government stepped in to try and make it happen. And it, 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 I, I just... I just do not understand how 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 this could happen. You know, her, at the end of the day, her parents obviously wanted to try everything. Of course they did for their daughter. And they were denied that mm. because the judge knows better than her parents. And because yes. having a last-ditch attempt at life, oh, that's not in her best interest. Her best interests are to die. Yes, yeah, it, it, it's really, it's really shocking. Well, on one hand, it's shocking, and on the other hand, it it it, it shouldn't be shocking to us when, without labouring this, this country murders the unborn on a regular basis every week. So, if that's how it treats the unborn, then why should it treat those who've been born any different? And that's that. <laughs> So, in a sense, you know, we've we've got previous to the tune of hundreds of thousands on this. Yes. And if you basically, in this nation, if you can't speak for yourself, you're deemed better off dead. Yes. And so we should be very concerned about the elderly, the vulnerable, the unborn, the very young. Yeah. You know, yeah. all of those people who depend on others to be alive yes indeed they Um, are not valued 
in the same way as the rest of us. No, no, they're not. They're not. And and this this again perhaps is is what happens when as a nation we collectively reject God. This is this is the fruit of of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. Uh, one one uh, commentator, Aaron Edwards, said said this. He said, "This is the hideous fruit of secular bureaucratic secularism, and it won't be the last. We have been subcreated. We sorry, we have subcreated a world in which human beings are defined medically rather than theologically." When we do not see people as made in God's image, we begin to rationalise the inexcusable. That's brilliantly put, and that's exactly the situation we are in the United Kingdom. And again, Christians should be aware of this. It's not something we necessarily all have to focus on, because we can't, but we should be aware of this. Church leaders should be aware of this. Church leaders should be setting out a clear theologically theological biblically sound principle to apply to things like this when we hear them in the news because it's so important as Christians we we are um we are clear about this and sometimes I think the silence in church is deafening and it yeah. shouldn't be it doesn't have to be that way no and Christian concern were supporting this family and um you know i think we should all keep an eye on the work that christian concern yeah. does pray for them support them where you can um uh yeah and and keep abreast of the issues that they are fighting indeed and and pray for um indy's mother and father the family that mm. uh what must be a horrendously hard time that may that uh, god might sustain them um, but yes, well, look, this kind of leads us into our the, the topic we're, we're mainly going to focus on in, in our re remaining time in this podcast, which is um, personal, social, health and economic education, P-S-H-E. Um, this is, yeah, this is something that is, is both particularly relevant for us, isn't it, Helen, in our, in our respective families? Yes, yeah. For anyone who has children in school, uh, you will encounter this uh, little aspect of their education. Um, and I think I would say at the outset, uh, if anyone's thinking, oh, well, I haven't got children or my children are past school age now, so I don't need to listen anymore. Please do listen because this is relevant to everyone. It's it's really important, I think, that we all understand the issues that are facing children in schools and um, the pressures that they are facing and the indoctrination mm. that they are facing um for all of us in the church you know we've we've all got family um you know we know people who have children and um we can all remember being children ourselves so this is relevant and it is important yeah it's huge it's hugely it's hugely important um so the PSHE, there is actually um, an association that, that facilitates this for schools. And uh, this 
is is what they say about themselves. So PSHE education is the school curriculum subject dedicated to supporting children's physical, mental health, relationships, careers, and economic well-being. We're a membership organization and charity supporting a national network of 50,000 teachers and schools to teach it well. We offer guidance, training, teaching resources, and advice. Our mission is to raise the status, quality, and impact of PSHE education so that all children and young people benefit. And we've enjoyed success in this area. Our campaigning helped make relationships education, that's RSE, and health education, RSHE, compulsory in September 2020. So, yeah, it's a school curriculum subject. The PSHE organisation is... um, it does have reach. It does have influence, as 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 seen by the fact that they have uh, campaigned to make um, RSE or RSHE compulsory, which is uh, is whilst impressive, is is concerning, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is concerning. And I mean, on the face of it, you know, there's lots of buzzwords about well-being and physical and mental health and relationships, and that all sounds very well but when you dig into what topics this includes there are some sensible topics like employment careers budgeting first aid those sorts of things Um, but the other topics include sex education consent pornography gender identity lgbt issues fgm which is female genital mutilation um, the whole range of diversity issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah lots in there. I, I think I think one of the questions that that should be asked, and and I think parents should be asking this, is what is the role of school? Uh, and it's it's quite interesting because um, my wife and I recently had a meeting with the head teacher of our son's school. And uh, and I I put it to him that the role of the school is to educate, not indoctrinate, and um, it is a fine line because education is clear in terms of teaching. For example, you can teach you can teach maths, you can teach biology, you can teach reproduction, but then the indoctrination seeps in when a teacher's personal viewpoint collectively is then allowed to influence what is taught as right or wrong within the classroom and then that that's that's how it balloons into what we have today um and that's not to say that all teachers agree with pshe because clearly there are a number of them that don't and certainly there are teachers who have stood up and sadly they've lost their jobs because they've been brave enough and courageous enough to say, no, I'm not teaching at this 100 different genders because that's just patent rubbish and a lie. And the school don't like that and say, okay, you you can no longer be a teacher here and you can no longer be a teacher anywhere else. But um, the school has, by and large, gone from education to indoctrination. And indoctrination, to be clear, it is essentially a process of of teaching a person or a group of people to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. 
And that's exactly what happens in the classroom. And it's very subtle. Um, I guess you've noticed that, have you, Helen, with 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 your with your boys? Because we certainly have with ours. Yes, yes, definitely. And um, I mean, because we talk about a lot of things at home, um, we talk about this at home. And um, so my children, one in particular, comes home often saying, Mommy, you never guess what they did today, or we never guess what we had today, or we never guess what they said in this lesson. Um, because, <laughs> you know, his his radar is is uh, quite sensitive to it. And um, and he can see the things that he's been told that are that are lies that are not mm. true. That's and... really that's really good. That's really good that he does that. And 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 why why does he do that? Do you... so? I think I know why. But, but... <laughs> um, well, he does that because I, I suppose because of, <laughs> of the way he's been brought up at home. Mm. Um, <laughs> exactly. And so, thankfully, <laughs> uh, you know, he's he is. I guess he's he's going, no, what I've been told at home is true. What my parents have told me is true. I believe them. And and when I go to school and I'm told something different, <laughs> I, I'm thinking, no, that's not right. Um, because, yeah. But, but also he's intelligent enough to have worked out, no, I know that there's male and female and that's it. Yes. <laughs> it makes sense. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it makes perfect sense. But I think, you know, for you guys listening to this, um, and we've, I think we've said this before on on one of our, maybe on a number of podcasts, but we really just would encourage you, particularly if you do have children, to to talk about stuff. You know, uh, maybe just practically speaking, make sure you eat one meal a day together around a table and have a conversation about what happened at school. What you know? What do you th- and and just chat about it? You know what? What do you think about that? Ask the question. Why? Why do you, do you think that's true or not? Because I think it's so easy sometimes as parents to not engage with actually what goes on in in our children's lives if we're not careful. And it can, and, we, and we can be like kind of you know ships passing in the night. And I think particularly for Christian parents, we we can't afford to do that. It's 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 critically important to to really understand what your what your children are talking about, and more importantly, what they're taught. And it's also to encourage your children to know what to believe and why they believe it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. I think you know it's, it's 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 not as difficult as it sounds. Just just have open, honest conversations and and. Be okay with saying, well, actually, there is such a thing as truth, and this is this is what God says, and this is why it's true. And mm. you know, sow those seeds and build on them and water them time and time again, because it's a yeah, it's a it's an onslaught in the week. Yeah. Um and, and I think, yeah, as well, te- teachers have a tough job. Um and they need encouraging encouragement to to stand up for what's right as well, for, for Christian teachers particularly. Don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, look, we got something slightly different in this podcast. We've done, uh, well, I say we is Helen. You've done this. You've done an interview with somebody we both know, uh, Pippa, yeah. who is um, well, she, she's seventeen. She's a helpful type yeah. of age. Seventeen. She's yeah. so she's 
been been in school in college. Is that right? She's in college now, yeah. yeah. So she's and, school. And it was really really interesting to to hear what she thought about some of these things. So we're going to just play this interview now, and then we'll come back to it in a minute. Thank you, Pippa, for agreeing to talk to me. You left school over a year ago and you've got siblings who are still in school. We were chatting about how you've seen things change over the time that you've been in school. So tell me a bit about that. Yeah, I started secondary school in 2017 and I noticed just a massive difference from when I started to when I left. And you were saying that um, when you started school that you didn't really know many or or maybe any children who identified as anything in particular and that you noticed that change over the time you were in school yeah I um I don't I don't think there were any children in my year that identified as anything um although there was a few by the time I left secondary school that said they were gay or bisexual but there were none that were trans or any of the other labels and had people started um asking to be to have particular pronouns used was that something that was a thing when you started school no no (laughs) you're just she him yeah and by the time you left school had people started saying no still hadn't so you've noticed a change just in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. My sister has a couple of children in her year that want to be called they or them. I think there's even one that likes to be called it, I think. And do they find that, you know, how does your sister find it a bit confusing? Yeah, confusing. I think disturbing. Well, she she always comes home saying she just calls them by their name because that's the easiest thing to do. And have you noticed, what about um, PHSE? Have you noticed a change in that over the years that you were in school? I was never educated on any of that stuff to the extent that they are now. Uh, I remember in an assembly one time being told about gay and straight, and I went out from that assembly having no idea what straight meant until years after probably and have you any thoughts about why this has increased so dramatically why why there are so many more children who seem to be confused about their identity I think they want to make a statement they want a label and I think they want the attention on themselves they they might possibly come from troubled backgrounds where they feel like they're not loved and they don't get attention at home um and I think also social media that it's everywhere even on my social media I see it it's everywhere yeah and have you noticed um with the children that um, are saying these things, have you noticed that they have anything in common, particular things about these children? Uh, Yeah, they... um, I've worked with um, children with disabilities and 
a lot of like so I know the autistic traits and ADHD traits and I noticed that pretty much most of the children that want to have a different label have autistic traits and want to be something different and they just need to be different and how do you think like as a Christian how do you think we should be um how should we treat these children that we're coming across yeah I think it is hard as a Christian to not judge them but I think we just need to have compassion and not not jump to a conclusion and completely shut them out but make go and talk to them and I don't know it might be hard but talk to them and ask them not necessarily about what they want to be labeled as but just be a friend and they because they won't mind or ever open a bible the only bible they'll see is how you act and they're all just looking in the wrong place they want a label but they they don't know where to look and they're looking in the wrong place looking in the wrong place for answers yeah yeah I think um I was talking to a teacher friend who um has noticed exactly what you say really that um a lot of the children that he teaches um that are struggling in these ways are struggling in other ways as well so may struggle socially yeah may have like you say troubled backgrounds difficulties at home um struggling with a sense of belonging wanting to belong to a group and um and and maybe finding or wanting to find a sense of identity in in a a label like you say yeah I think um as teenagers in the church if there's like youth groups or young people groups within the church I think that these children should be invited along because then they'll see what true love and compassion is and that they don't need a label to be something. Yeah, that's so true. And I think um, it's hard being a young person. It's hard being a teenager, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember what it's like. And, you know, there's so much change and it, you have lots of hormonal changes and lots of um, working out who you are and um, making decisions in your life and these things are possibly not very helpful on top of all of that no especially with social media being in your face all the time and like you said with the hormone changes where we do as teenagers you do get confused it's normal to get confused but those confused feelings are just feelings it's not who you are yeah and I think that um, that's the thing to remember, isn't it? That um, that our identity uh, is not in a label no. or a group. Even yeah. um, God created us as individuals, and um, He made us in His image, and He loves us, and yeah. that's the message that we want young people to know. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Well, that was great, Helen. And thanks, Pippa, for uh, being being willing to do that. It was really helpful and uh, really valuable to, to hear what you have to say on this, um, because Helen and I can talk about this a lot, but as uh, slightly older people where college and school was as uh, perhaps a dim memory. It's great to hear from somebody who's in the thick of it. Um, but yeah, just just some points really that I think Pippa raised, Helen. One of them is 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 the the difference in such a short time. Like when she was saying about how when she started and when when she finished in the, that short time frame, what five years yeah. is it? Something like that. Yeah, the difference is huge, isn't it? Yeah, and how she's noticed it accelerating. So now even uh, you know. I don't know, 18 months or whatever it is on from leaving school, um, but having siblings who are still in school, how she's noticing it accelerating. And yeah. she's concerned about it. That's yeah. why we, t- you know, we've talked about it. And that's why I thought I, w- I want to, uh, you know, get her perspective. And and I think sometimes we talk about, you know, oh, this is this is a this is a, a changing world in which our young people are growing up in. And um, and it's often that phrase is often framed in so in a kind of the i the ideal which doesn't actually exist, and the ideal being that oh the world out there is fast changing and our young people are soon going to be into it, and you know that's going to be a big thing, but it's not that now, is it? Because the world is changing where the young people are, and it's changing very fast. So in school, inside there, that's no longer a protected area. That yeah. is where that is where the change is taking place faster, perhaps than anywhere else. Oh yeah, that's where the battleground is. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the spiritual battleground is in the schools. It is. You 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 know you get you get the young people, uh, get somebody when they're young. You've sown the seeds there. It's it's not impossible to 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 um, turn that around because nothing is impossible with God, but it it's making it much harder than it needs to be. Because the whole pronoun thing is is just gone off the charts, hasn't it? Yeah. In terms yeah. of it's just really, really ballooned, and it's gone yeah. from being a non-issue to being like a ridiculous thing. Like, do do I do I call this person who is clearly a boy but now wants to be a girl, and they want to be called she, but actually that's ridiculous because they're a he. I mean. To be faced with this kind of nonsense in school is is frankly absurd. But that's well, the reality, ex- isn't it? Yeah, it is. Or then be expected to say they, which doesn't make any grammatical sense. And no, yeah, I know, I know. Um, and like, and think, like we said, you know, the the role of PSHE sh- should not be underestimated at all in this. They have uh, a huge amount to answer for, and in, in a massively. Uh, negative sense here um and i think um it's it's yeah i mean one of the things i guess we've seen an increase of is is that issue of self the attention focused on the self isn't it i think yeah you know what i mean and and that's that's become really prevalent now yeah and that's primarily through social media which is what what pippa said yeah. um it, it's um things like tiktok and yeah. uh, instagram yeah snapchat yeah 
WhatsApp, half these things well, I don't even know what WhatsApp they are. Do. Yeah, some, yeah. some people don't even use. I don't think use young people don't really use WhatsApp unless adults force them to use it. I, I think that's know. the thing. Yeah, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, <laughs> I mean, I heard something today that the average person, so it's not young person. This is the average person spends three hours a day on their social media. Presumably, that would mean that young people are spending considerably more time than that, really? which is just bonkers. Imagine how much reading you could do with that time. <laughs> that, that is a lot. That um, is a lot, isn't it? Yeah. It, it is a huge amount of time, but it's this kind of, it becomes, it's really the idolatry of self, isn't it? You know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I've always kind of, the term selfie has always grated with me. Um, you know, <laughs> I remember when in the days of just when you had a camera rather than a phone to take a photo, you know, like kind of holding it out at arm's length to try and get a photo of, of you know, the happy couple somewhere or something like that, which, you know, it's fine. But this idea <laughs> of I'm taking a selfie, it's like me focused. Even the word itself is like, it's all about me. It's a self. It's it. And there's something, there's something intrinsically troubling about that. And I think yeah. it's gone very much under the, under the radar, but it is about the uh, elevation of, of ourselves. Ultimately, I think it's about, idolatry like you know if we take it a step further and talk about social media if we do you know you do a selfie and you have like loads of likes you want the likes you know you, it gives you a a boost the more that people like things which is understandable but i don't think it's good for you no um, and the and the other thing i, I mean you know showing my age and I, <laughs> I mean i've always been someone who avoids getting photos whenever i can so the idea of <laughs> taking a photograph of myself uh, is something completely alien to me but but you know what many of these young people particularly the girls are doing is is taking these photographs of themselves and then of course using filters or you know uh, oh, okay. i don't know yeah, they yeah. use things to to change their appearance because you've got to show the best possible version of yourself and this managing their social media it's managing their their kind of this 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 image of self that isn't actually real and it's a competition with other people and it's just such such a pressure and and it's false it's a false world yeah and 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 so like young people like Pippa's age and younger have got all that to deal with on top of the yeah. whole pronoun thing, the whole thing of, well, actually, you know, anybody can marry now or you don't have to be married or, you know, there could be, it's just about being happy. And as long as you're, you're doing what's right for you, there's so much kind of an onslaught of anti-God that's put on our young people that it that it's mm. it it's really 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 hard mm. um and yet and yet um we do there is opportunity even in those situations for god to use young people like pippa who are willing to serve him and step out for him because one thing she said which i thought was excellent she said the the when she was talking about um you know being i think she was like being being a christian in in, in college and in or in school she said sometimes you know because people now don't grow up knowing anything about the bible and perhaps don't know maybe even don't know who jesus is apart from a swear word she said, Pippa said, the only Bible they will see 
is how you act. And I thought that was that was you know really good in terms of how you how you are as a Christian, how you behave can communicate something of the Lord Jesus Christ to those who don't know him in a in a situation which let's be honest is uh, suboptimal <laughs> yeah. to put it mildly yeah yeah um, so I, yeah I mean I think that the bit at the end where we're talking about um you know youth groups and and church for for young people who are Christians and how important that is and and how you know Pippa said about how to try and be a friend to children who are struggling and because yeah. at the end of the day you know children today they're the same as children were when we were children when our grandparents were children you know people are the same they they what are they craving they're cra- craving relationship they're craving they want to know that they're valuable that their life has meaning and purpose um that's what they're looking for and like pippa said that's that's what they're looking for, but they're looking in the wrong place. They're looking mm. for the answers in yes. the wrong place. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, look, I think, I think that, that was, that was really good to hear from, from Pippa on, on this and hear from somebody, like I said, who's, who's in the midst of, of this current um, indoctrination onslaught and having to navigate that as well, which is, which is not easy. It's not easy um so again i mean we'll talk about this before the end of the podcast but just just be praying for young people that you know who are followers of jesus who are in this situation like being either at school or at college um that they will despite the circumstances will be able to stick close to jesus and see jesus use them in the situations that they find themselves in mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. Do you want to say anything more now? Um, no. Well, no, because um, just going to go on really to, to to. Well, I was just going to say that the PHSE um, curriculum. So it's it's seen as like one part of their education. So like you know, you've got geography, like a subject, geography, mm-hmm. history. So PHSE would be viewed now as as one of those subjects, effectively, and is given probably that that sort of amount of time however it is actually not just being delivered in those blocks of time I can see that it is infiltrating throughout the wider curriculum Um, but just to say that um, as an example the PHSE curriculum for my school says it enables as in the school that my children go to it says it enables young people to recognize, accept, and shape their identities, to understand and accommodate difference and change, to manage emotions, and to communicate constructively in a variety of settings. This encompasses the teaching and embedding of British values. <laughs> oh, my goodness. wow i mean let's just pick this apart a minute because it talks about sort of recognizing accept and shape their identities to understand and accommodate difference and change manage emotions and to communicate i mean these are really the job of family and parents 
And the close-knit community that you get from that is to do these things. It's not the job of the school. Not to shape my child's identity, no. No. I mean, the job of the school really is to support what is already happening in the family. It's not It's not to do something that is, is fundamentally at odds with what is happening in the family, which is what PSHE does. That's what it seeks to do. It's an undermining indoctrination ideology. Um, and embedding of British values. What are British values? I have no idea what British values are today. Are they waving a Palestinian flag? <laughs> are they arresting people outside, praying silently outside abortion clinics? Is it killing the unborn? What, what are British values? Because those are things we do in this country. Are they, so maybe it's those things. I don't know. Yeah. It's it's pretty ominous, isn't it, when you say embedding of British values? Yeah. Good grief. I mean, I think one of the things that, that is is very clear that there's there's propaganda, there's bias, there's underlying agendas that are all um, form part of this this wider um, indoctrination that is PSH PSHE. Um, so you've got things like you've got climate change, uh, the often brought up subtly things like overpopulation. Uh, racism, gender ideology, critical theory, LGBT, um, uh, COVID, things like COVID, even and and also evolution. Believe it or not, which which comes into this, and and we'll talk about evolution actually in a podcast because we we've got we've got one coming up on that one at some point. But that is worth clocking as Christians because if you think we came from nothing and we're just a big accident, then anything goes, doesn't it? At the end of the day, anything goes. And this is this is the road of PSHE, is anything goes. Yeah. And, you know, and beyond PHSE, I think that's what increasingly alarms me is when my children are coming home and telling me what they're encountering in their history lesson, or in their geography lesson, in you know, their English lesson. In fact, I I listened to an English teacher who who effectively said, Oh, well, we we don't just read books by dead white men anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh yes, because okay. of course everything written by a man who happens to be white and is no longer living, you might as well throw that away because it's not of any value, is it? Um so, yeah. yeah, these things are infiltrating every subject in schools. The, and, and it comes from lots of different points as well. And I think this is also just worth recognising, particularly, again, if you're a parent or maybe you're a grandparent listening to this and you, you think, actually, I, I should talk to my children about this, what's happening with their, their children that's, who are at school. Um, it, it, it's, it's just really important to have a, a basic understanding that this isn't an easily defined onslaught in the sense of, well, if you like, the enemy, PSHE in this case, is coming from over here and it's only coming in that direction and all we need to do is put a little barrier here and we stopped it. That's not how it works. It's all around. It comes mm. overtly, subvertly. Uh, there are. It's very subtle. Sometimes it's really in your face. Um and I think we, again, we just need to be aware of this so that we can equip our young people. We can encourage them to stand firm. We can say, look, 
this is what the Bible says. This is what God says. This is what he calls us to. And this is what we need to live by. Mm. Um, I mean, there's, and, sorry, come. on. Well, I was just going to say so many of these things are, are actually, um, I think because they're rooted in something that is, that is deeply spiritually significant in a very negative way. Um, they have they have an effect which I can see. Um, I mean, I had a conversation with a girl who was who was just beside herself with worry about what's happening to the oceans and that she's causing the terrible pollution in the oceans. And you know, it's this sort of thing. Or the overpopulation. There are too many people, and you know, people are a bad thing, and we're we're ruining the planet. And mm. you know, this sort of thing is 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 these children are deeply impressionable. And if the message they're being given, um, you know, even if it's subtly at times, is that people are bad, things that you do are causing bad things and wrecking the environment and hurting people on the other side of the world. And, you know, this is, this is too much for children to bear. It, it is, it is. And it, 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 it instills in them almost a sense of hopelessness, doesn't it? That what, where is my future? What's the point? And, and like you say, just, just sows fear, um, and and it's it, if you take a step back from it all, you realise how utterly crazy and and actually how evil it is. Um, so yeah, we sh we should be we should be alert to this. I mean, there there is um I mean there's there's a number of different organisations that you could look at, but what one of them is called the LGBT Foundation, and they uh, particularly push for LGBT inclusive education for all school children. So that's one of the things they do. And on on the subject of women, okay, this is an example of, of how subtly ideas might be um put put in in the in an education environment. They would say this there are as many ways of being a woman as there are women in the world. Did you know that, Helen? Are you aware of that? No. No? Okay. Well it's every day's a school day, isn't it? And they go they go on to say there is so much that unites all women our shared joys, our unique experiences and the challenges we face in a patriarchal world. That's an example of what we're talking about here. Just slip in patriarchal there. And they carry on and they say this, these are often increased and impacted by our other identities, such as race, sexuality and disabilities. We are all multifaceted people who go beyond a simple sentence summarising womanhood. A rigid, simplistic definition both limits and reduces our womanhood. A woman is someone who identifies as a woman. Many women are cis gender, often written as cis, and this means the gender they were assigned at birth matches their gender identity. Some women are transgender, often written as trans, and this means that the gender they were assigned at birth didn't match their identity. Cis women and trans women are women. It's as simple as that. So they've just contradicted themselves there because they've just said uh, it can't be in a simple sentence, and they've just tried to put it in a simple sentence, which means absolutely nothing. Uh, so it's no wonder that grown-ups are confused, but just think about how confusing this will be for children at school to hear this kind of nonsense taught in the classroom as if it's true and right. And this is what happens. 
Um, you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I bet you never knew that it was so such a, a kind of smorgasbord of ideas about what a woman is. Yeah, yeah. And who am I to say what a woman is? De- <laughs> what would I know? <laughs> don't you don't you don't even go there, Helen. I think yeah. that's the that's the main thing. Um, I think the thing is one thing that I have noticed is that um many children, thankfully, um, particularly when they're a bit younger and haven't haven't gone quite so far down the road where they're frightened to say anything. Mm. Uh they do and I do have occasion to be with groups of children and listen to what they say and and get involved in conversations with them which is great and um but quite a lot of them they're quite able to work out for themselves yeah, yeah. what yeah. reality is and this is what they're dealing with is the the tension between what they see as reality and no hold on this this girl that I've grown up with through school who's now saying they're a boy that's not true that's not that's not true but then if I if I say that and they go off and they talk about it with their friends and they say no it is no we think there's just male and female but then they're told no that's wrong by their teachers and this tension of you know well well my teacher's saying this but I don't think that's right yeah yeah no, normally it should be the other way around shouldn't it it should be that um actually the the adult in the room because they're an adult, does know what's right, and they are there to correct the young person who is there to learn. But in this instance, it's often the young person's got it mm-hmm. right, and the adult is there to sow seeds of confusion and to say and to basically try and put the young people on a path to destruction. Mm. Basically, that's pretty much what happens. And, it, and, and you know, it, it is it is a shocking thing. Um, I think as well on on the whole issue of of if you like gender ideology. I think this is uh, helpful to remind ourselves as Christians, particularly, and it's around the importance of not using the language of gender ideology and what we mean is if you start referring to somebody as a he when actually they're a she or you say they or cis or whatever other term you would use which fits in with the transgender narrative the transgender ideology whilst i think you might be thinking well if i if i use this term i'm 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 just you know trying to get along with that person what you're actually doing is you're affirming a lie and you're you, you, you you're not helping that person get back to reality and truth at all um and it, it, i think when we when we use the language of gender ideology it normalizes language which is wrong and it promotes evil and the reason we say it promotes evil is because it goes against what God said and what God has created. And as Christians, we can't do that. Um, I think some, and and this is you know these 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 kind of topics they're not easy. Nobody's saying it's easy. It's jolly hard. It's painful. It's difficult. Um, but yeah, do you, do you have any thoughts on that one? 
Well, I think I think that's right, and I think um, one of the things Pippa said, didn't she, was uh, about uh, you know that she's uh, chooses to you know call a person by their name and and not use whatever the mm. pronoun is that they that they say they want people to use, and this idea of you know especially when children are supposed to be being taught English and how to use language well, um, of course you can't dictate to other people what pronouns they use that that's you know it's for them to to decide what words they use for themselves and um well yeah just... yeah totally and and i think as well is and this is this is really this is also an important factor to add to what you've just said helen which is there is this idea that when you when you're in a situation maybe at work or at school and somebody somebody else says to you you know i'd i'd like you to use my preferred pronouns they are actually they are actually asking you to use your words that come out of your mouth to lie and to promote evil and that should be a no-no. You, you, actually, nobody has the right to say to you or to me or to anybody else, you need to refer to me as this. Well, no, I'll refer to you what I believe is right because mm-hmm. it's the, the my words which I'm accountable to before God. So if it's going to be lying, I ain't going to be doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Um, and and I think this is often this is often lost, and it shouldn't be lost because it's vitally important. And again, banging the same old drum as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we've got to wake up to this stuff. And it's like you know we can't sleepwalk through this as we do in often in church because we don't want to touch on things which, frankly, are difficult. They are tricky, but sometimes you got to tackle the tricky things head on. Otherwise, but, you will crash. Yeah. And and why must be we? Why must we be tackling these issues? Because the children are having to. The children are having to face yes. this every day, and therefore we need to have a bit of courage. And we as adults need to be facing up to this as well. And in the church, we, we need to be facing up to this. We totally, we totally do. I mean, what what we what we trying to teach teach our young people that it's okay to be cowardly? Because that's a sin, by the way. The cowardly don't get into heaven. Read the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are we trying and, to teach? Are we trying to teach that? I, I don't. Th- I don't think. I don't think we want to teach that. I don't think that's our no. intention to teach that at all. And it's not the same as, um, uh, you know, there is the issue as well of of what is respectful and what is kind. And, exactly. And this yes. is what is is being confused. So too often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had a conversation with. Um, some teachers about this where I pushed back on um, something that was being um, uh, shown to children, which uh, which I thought was was just blatant propaganda. And, and I said, you know, I'm very happy for you to be doing lessons on, um, on how wrong bullying is, on how it's very important to be kind to people. And if people are different from you, that doesn't mean you can be unkind to them. Yep. You know, it's very important yep. that children understand that they must be respectful of others they must be kind to other people um all of that absolutely but that doesn't mean that you have to affirm 
someone in in something that you see as destructive or mm. it doesn't mean that you have to go along with whatever the latest um you know new gender is and and say that that's a real thing that's not the same thing no that, that, that and that's 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 a great point how did they how did they take that when you said that can you remember well the other thing that i said to them was um are my children being unkind to people? Are, you know, and they were like, oh, no, no, no. They're very well behaved and they're very kind. And, you know, it's like, well, there we are then. That's surely the most important thing. Mm. That's what mm. we need to be teaching our children. We do. We totally do. And and I think, I think teachers themselves can and should take some leadership on this. Um, and the you know we we need more more Christian teachers particularly, but it don't necessarily have to be Christian. <laughs> have to be a Christian just to just to just to believe basic truth and, and biology. <laughs> but you know it, it, we we need more teachers to say, I'm not teaching nonsense. I'm not going to teach a lie. I'm not going to teach things which clearly have bad outcomes for children. For young people, have things got better over the last five years? Absolutely not. It's been a train wreck. And and teachers, they do need to take responsibility for this, and we need to encourage them and support them and pray for them as they do that because it's yeah, it's hard. Your your job's on the line. Yeah, it's really tough. Yeah, and the the minefield that children are facing is the minefield that that teachers have. Are facing as well um i mean never mind what might be being taught in a lesson but the other thing that children are encountering now and this is in nearly every class now there are children there who will be wearing various badges mm. saying what their latest pronouns are who will be saying oh i'm i'm my name has changed i'm not um, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy now, and so my name has changed. So they've got to work out that, okay, so they're called something different now. Um, do, do they ever identify as a teacher and go into the staff room at break, I wonder? I mean, you know, where, 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 where is the that. line drawn on this? Maybe, there are, maybe they there should are, try that. Well, there are a number of children, not in our school, but I know of others, uh, identifying as cats. That's quite a thing. And oh, the furry thing. Yeah, mm. and where they are requesting litter trays. What, for the toilet? Yeah. Right. And do they get the litter trays, do you know? Well, I know of one school where they have uh, said, no, that goes beyond the realms of acceptability, thankfully. Well, why? Why does it go beyond the realms of acceptability? This is the problem. This is where the lo the, this is where the, the, <laughs> the trans logic completely falls over flat on its own face. Why? I mean, let's go the whole hog, guys. Surely. Don't well, you I suppose I if mean, you're who a cat, are you? Who? you shouldn't be in school, should you? Well, I don't know. I don't know where you should be if you're a cat. I don't know what cats do. They just kind of sleep and poo in other people's gardens. Mm. But, you know. It's mind-boggling, isn't it? But the serious side of this is this is highlighting a very serious mental health crisis. It is. In, in children and young people. You know what? I, I would actually say it, it, it's not a mental health crisis. It's a spiritual crisis. It is. 
absolutely. And, and I think I think what we often deem as mental health is is a is a worldly euphemism for actually, you know, what this this is just acknowledging that we have uh, a, a spiritual deficit here, yeah. which we are not able to to address. But in Christ, we can. Um, and the children are not coming up with these things in a vacuum. They're not coming up with these ideas themselves. No, they're not. They're totally. They're totally not. They're totally not. And and if you it, you know, it's like it, it's like it's like the it's like who's with, who's the adult in the room? Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure anymore. Um, but going back, going back to the whole language thing and, and the subtlety of it, we, you know, you're familiar with the phrase "an ally." Yeah. You know, and, and so if you're an ally, you're somebody who is is basically you could be, you know, you're 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 pro the trans agenda, you're pro LGBTQ plus whatever you you know you you do it you do lots of things on on pride day or pride week or pride month or whatever it is and you, you do you know what i mean you have you you have your badges and and everything and but the but the very use of the 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 phrase are you an ally the word ally is is very insidious because the implication is if you're not an ally well what are you well you're the enemy mm. You're the enemy. You're the Nasty bad guy. Person, You're the na- yeah. Mm. And and again, we've said this before. It's 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 no longer uh, you can no longer afford to be a conscientious objector in the school system in the United Kingdom anymore. You're either you're either for it, waving a flag, or you're a marked man, boy, or girl, or woman. And that that that's that's where we're at, isn't it? Mm. Um. But yeah, I mean, I was I was struck actually. Yeah, I don't know if you followed this. If you followed um, Dylan Mulvaney, who's a uh, man, who's a man to. who's pretending to be yeah. a woman, uh, it's just ludicrous. It, I think it was was it Bud Light or something he got dropped by because it was it was just I mean, was it all Nike as well? I don't know what it was. He's got so many different sponsorships. Yeah, there's and so it's many just, now. Lost it's track. Just insulting to women. Yeah. This this man like just completely making a fool of himself. Uh, anyway, but he's apparently he <laughs> Attitude magazine. Um, he got their first ever Woman of the Year award. <laughs> Great! The lunatics well are him. running the asylum. It would seem. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there we are. I mean, so th- so this this is the this is the kind of the crazy the crazy world in which we um, which we live in, which is fast moving but it's also fast moving towards the return of jesus christ and uh, again we mention this a lot but it, we want to bring it back to these fundamental core truths because whilst we talk about things which um often actually that the, they are sobering that they're, they're not always easy to listen to they're not always easy to consider to think about um might even sound sometimes quite negative they are the reality but we also have this greater reality of jesus coming back and i think that's what this ridiculous crazy world situation can remind us of can't it helen it points us to that truth that jesus is returning yeah, um, yeah. which is which is a which is a, a good thing and yet in religious education re we called it div- divinity at school did you ever call did it you? that? oh yeah. you went to a post school i did go to post school i think we even shortened it to divs i can't remember now 
but we shortened everything. So it's a bit, <laughs> bit ridiculous, really. But yeah, so religious education, RE or divinity, oh, if you're yeah. if you're um, that way inclined. Um, again, I mean, this this is where this is where actually, really, the return of Christ should be proclaimed, shouldn't it? I don't don't expect it is very often. <laughs> I don't think it is. Lesson. No, no, but it should be. Um, yeah. But this is this is now seen as a very kind of expendable subject, isn't it? On the periphery. Oh yes. Yeah. Do Do you know anybody doing doing RE? No, a lot of schools don't even don't even offer it. Certainly not at GCSE level. Really? Um, no. Uh, yeah, I've yeah. I don't think. Um, I don't think it's seen as a core topic, no. let's say that. And even where it is taught, I think often, sadly, it's taught very poorly without an RE specialist, you know, so just, you know, or a humanities teacher can can tick the RE box as well. And where it is being taught, there's often very little focus on Christianity. Um, I mean, certainly I found with my children, frustratingly, that... <laughs> Uh, they sometimes need to correct. They might not be brave enough to do it, but correct the teacher. I, I, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was um, an RE quiz that was really interesting to look through my child's answers, and um, it was a bit it was a bit sad, really, in one way, but in another way, it was encouraging because I could see that he'd there was some depth of understanding and there was some nuance. Um, in his understanding, which had meant that he couldn't kind of give black and white answers. And actually the answers that he'd given where he'd been marked as wrong actually were theologically superior to the so-called correct answer. Um, wow. Yeah, it was a bit painful, really. A bit tick boxy. Yeah. Let's do the Christianity thing. Oh, well, but that, but that's, that's, that's great. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe their teachers had, had, you know, had a little bit to learn when they're marking the, pa- the 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 books or the papers or whatever. You never know, I suppose. I always but remember having. The... Sorry, go on. No, 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 go on. No, I was just gonna say. I just remember having similar things when I was doing divinity, um, <laughs> and like big big arguments with the with the the uh, teacher who was also the kind of the school vicar um, about about basically theology. And and the, my rest of my classmates used to love it because they just say, "Oh, this is great! You, you you just have these big arguments, Tim. It takes up the whole lesson, and then <laughs> we don't do anything else." But it was like I was coming out thinking, "Look, this this guy is supposed to be a vicar. He doesn't believe anything. He doesn't believe <laughs> the Bible. He's in the wrong job, you know." And that was that was you know. 13 14 year old um but yeah so i think i think yeah your boys obviously get it and it's is great but it is it, it's it christianity in school sadly where he, where they do teach re is, is just taught as just one of many religions isn't it it's 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 not given any kind of special status and i mean we even had just digress a little bit we even had the was it the Archbishop of uh, Canterbury? What now? What did he say? Oh, yes. I'm going to have to Dear get Justin. this up because this this just took this. Was this took yesterday? Biscuit. Um, this this was, uh, I think it was yesterday. It was and, yesterday, and he said that he said this. He said just just to say yesterday was Remembrance Sunday. Oh, it's Monday. Yeah, you're right. It was. Yeah. yeah. So, so so he 
he he was he was wishing a very happy Diwali to everyone celebrating today. I hope it's a time of joy and togetherness as you mark this festival of light. Yeah, he did oh. actually put out a whole video on that. Did he? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Mm. Well, okay. Well, that's that's all. This might fe- be in festival the wrong of job. light. I think he. I think he might be in the wrong <laughs> job. I think festival of light. So I, I'm confused. Uh, Justin Welby. Uh, who? Which god do you serve? That's a odd it's thing for him to say. It, really? Well, it is astonishing, but it's yeah, it's not surprising. In fact, it's to be expected. Mm. I'm afraid that's 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 the that's the level we are now operating at in this country, especially sadly with regard to Church of England. And there's some good, there's still some good CV churches, but I think they're hanging on. I really do. Um, yeah. So again, for any 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 of you listening who have children in 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 doing re at school or or divinity uh, or divs even um then do encourage them to uh, to stand for truth in the classroom you can be a witness you know you can you can you can stand for truth and uh, and also again i suppose christian teachers just to use it as an opportunity to to as best as they're able to within the constraints with which they work to pray for opportunities to sow seeds of truth for yeah. those young hearts and minds, which they have the the opportunity to to mould in, in that very short time. Yeah, and also for any anyone involved in the running of Christian unions or going yeah, into schools yeah, to yeah, do definitely. Christian assemblies, there are sadly again very few of those around. I suspect there are more. LGBT diversity clubs in schools now than there are Christian unions. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think I think you're prob- you're probably right. Actually, I really do. Um, well, look, as we kind of uh, come to the end of um, end of this 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 pod- podcast episode, uh, it'd be good just to I suppose just touch on how we can support our young people because it's important, isn't it, Helen? We're not just talking about the the realities we also got to we've also got to talk about uh what what we can do because it's it's yeah. key isn't it as christians we have this amazing opportunity to be used by god um to sow seeds of truth to stand on his word to help people whether that's young people or to encourage one another to to build on the rock that is the lord jesus christ so yeah what what can we do what can we do to yeah. help our young people so I think there's a number of things that we can do and that um, all of us can have a role in in, in some way. Um, we need to teach them about their identity in Christ and how yeah. they are made in the image of God and they are loved by him. We need to help them to understand who they are um, and that they have a heritage and a future that they're not a blank slate. Mm. Um, I think we need to resist and help our children to resist the lie of you can be anything you want to be. It's not true. Yeah, it, it, just on that one, and that that's perpetuated through through films all the time, particularly like cartoons. You, you notice that it's it happened for a number of years now. It's the the narrative is often with the main character. You know the kind of is you can be who you want to be. You can do anything. It's a lie. Yeah. 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 So I think we need to teach children to 
to accept and be thankful for who God has created them to be. Yeah. Um, yeah so, yeah. you know, and that includes all the possibilities around that. So, for example, um, you know, a little girl has been created by God to be female. Mm. And, you know, there's huge amounts of possibilities and potential in that reality. Yeah. But it's helping children to understand that that is who they are. Yeah. yeah. And that's a good thing. So that I think that's the first thing I would say. Um, the second thing is this this word catechizing, teaching our children in the home, mm -hmm. teaching them in the church. So, um, you know, what many of us grew up with, Sunday school, youth groups and so on. Um, for some, it might be mean homeschooling. But I think for many of us, and, and myself included, we haven't taken that seriously enough. We need to be teaching the Bible, teaching the faith to our children. And it's not good enough that they just know the story of Noah's Ark and the Good Samaritan. You know, they know the Christmas story. They know the Easter story. That's not enough. No, no, no. Have, have, a, have a Bible on your dinner table. Do that. So, so that it's just leave it there. Buy a Bible or have, or if you've got more than one Bible or any Bible, just have it there so you can bring it out and read something when you're together. You know, at the, the dinner table doesn't make have to it happen. normal. Make yeah. it normal. <laughs> yeah. You just say, right. You yeah. don't have to do it. Look, it's not like saying you must read the Bible every single dinner time. I mean, it's great if you do. Don't get me wrong. It's absolutely brilliant. But, but don't, don't feel it like a pressure, but just have it there. Normalize the collective reading. As a family, however many there are in your family, however that's made up, of sitting under the word of God, even if it's just for a verse, and normalise the reading. And like say, that whole idea of catechising, teaching, repeating, learning, yeah. embedding those spiritual truths, speak them out. Words carry significance. They carry yeah. spiritual significance when we say something. Yeah. Which is maybe, why, you know, we've got to be careful what we say, but yes, it's, it's important. Yeah. And, you know, for those who who grandparents or aunts or uncles and, um, you know, particularly little children, you know, there's things you can do, like help them to learn to say the Lord's Prayer, to learn to say the grace, um, you know, there's, or learn to sing a Christian song or hymn. Now, I remember all those, there's quite a lot of stories for for example, of people um, in the First or Second World War who were in the trenches or, you know, who were at really critical points, life and death situations where they recalled things that their Sunday school teacher had taught them or that their mom had taught them or someone had taught them um, that, you know, brought them great comfort and, and enabled them to turn to God, you know, sometimes in their last hours to ask him for help and you know so all of these things i think are significant and we actually we could do with learning from muslims and jews who take this really seriously yes that's true yeah that's they true. teach their children very well <laughs> very yes. effectively yeah yeah we and and we've we've got to find a way if this is a hindrance to get over the 
the the the perceived hurdle of oh this isn't very interesting or this might be a bit boring um sometimes we we need to do something because it's important mm. not necessarily because it's interesting or exciting yeah yeah uh, it's called discipline <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is i was <laughs> you know if if yeah. if we don't have to make ourselves do it well it's not really discipline you know discipline's no. not required in that cir- <laughs> circumstances but that's okay <laughs> no, it's, from, it's okay to have to be disciplined it's not problem. yeah we do need to be disciplined sometimes and um things are important when things are important then they're important for us to teach them to our children. Um, yeah. I was reminded of this yesterday when um, I was getting a bit strict and uh, <laughs> I made my youngest just recite for me just to make sure you can sing the national, the first verse of the national anthem, can't you? You can still remember it, can't you? It just <laughs> made him, and he could, he could do it. And I was like, it's very important that you grow up being able to at least sing the first verse of the national anthem. <laughs> that, 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 yeah, that is true. Because I'm, I'm impressed actually. Because your house does have a flagpole at the front as well, doesn't it? Because you, no, it doesn't. You, you raise a flagpole every month. <laughs> Maybe I should <laughs> get one. <laughs> should, every, every, every house should have a flagpole. Yeah, um, yeah great. No, that's really good. Um, yeah, carry on. Go, go through. So, it, um, well, oh. here's a quote from Rod Dreher. Mm. Uh, I think this is from we his like book, "Live Not by Lies." And he says, Christian parents must be intentionally countercultural in their approach to family dynamics. The days of living like everybody else and hoping our children turn out for the best are over. And I think he's right. I think he's right. I remember that quote. I remember underlining it about three times <laughs> or something because I thought he's so spot on. And, you know, again, I know this will probably sound, I don't want this to sound moany. It's not meant to sound many it's just the reality i think in in our churches by and large we're, we're asleep to this and and we shouldn't be we need to wake up we mm-hmm. we can't apply like you know we can't apply the same kind of parenting principles that our parents may have applied when we were younger we can't apply those to our children now because they they, they, they so much more effort is required. We've 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 got to be so much more intentional, uh, and we've got to be so much more uh, countercultural in in how we in in how we raise our kids because of the the onslaught that they face when they're at school and when they're in the world. We've got we've got to try much harder than our parents had to try with us. Yeah, I think that's to true. have any hope of being in roughly the same place. But again, it's, you know, with God, this is not impossible. But we also do need to be awake to this reality, don't we? Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a cracking quote by Roger. Definitely, yeah. definitely worth yeah. reading that book. Yeah, so um, another thing I would suggest that in your home or when you have children in your home so if again if you have other family members or um, young people that you know teach good habits surround children with wholesome and godly words and affirmations and practices you know it's not always possible we're all fallen human beings and we don't get everything right all the time but to the best of our ability surround them with good music good books you know all these things are important and have an influence um and teach them teach them to pray yeah that's really good teach teach them to pray like you know praying praying if praying with your children before they go to bed for example 
is is a fairly straightforward way to instill a habit that can set them up for life. Um, that it could be one way of doing it. There may be the, the you know there's other other times of the day that are available for prayer. <laughs> it doesn't have to just be bedtime. But yeah, I think those are really really good things. And you mentioned music as well. And I think again, this is a whole kind of podcast in this particular subject, but it's that is a massive one. Um, and I'm always, I'm always struck by how how pervasive music is now. You you mm. go to the supermarket apart from a really posh supermarket, which which begins with a W. But most other supermarkets... But only posh people go. <laughs> posh people go. <laughs> um, most, most supermarkets, for example, will, play, will be playing pop music, you know, and, and so will most shops you go into. And, and it's everywhere. And mm. there is, whether you believe this or not, there is spiritual significance in music, and it does have an effect um and if you have the chance to 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 play christian music in your home that's a good thing to do it's definitely a good thing to do yeah and you can get all sorts of christian music you know if your child is into this kind of real heavy rock you can find christian music where the yes. words are godly. <laughs> yes, yeah, you yeah, can. There, there, there is a there is a smorgasbord of <laughs> of of Christian tunes, yeah. a lot of which are so good, some funny. which aren't, but a lot of which are really good. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, anything else? Or is, yeah. You... So I think just the last thing I would say is for those you know who are not parents of young children, you still have a critical role, and mm, in your yeah, church, totally. in your family, in your community, you can have an influence on young people um and and don't think that they're not interested or you know i think it's um it's really sad when children don't have the opportunities to interact with people of different ages and um you know you might get a child that's particularly shy and it doesn't work but generally you know children like interaction with adults they do yeah and they've got so much to learn from you and you may learn something from them too. Yeah, I think that is that's a really important uh, reminder uh, because it 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 takes it's that old saying, isn't it? It, take, it takes a it takes a community to 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 raise a child. And if you are a Christian and you're part of a church, that is the community that is responsible in part for helping you raise your son or your daughter Mm. it's not done in isolation um well that's why the vows at christenings or dedications um you know usually include don't they um a part where the whole congregation vows to to raise this child yeah they do in the faith yeah And, and and i think that that has been um neglected actually um Mm. and again we 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 need to just remind we do well to remind ourselves of that that real need that as a community of believers as the body of christ yes this young person might be somebody else's son or daughter but i can have a godly influence on them as well and helping to disciple them um 
And we shouldn't shouldn't underestimate that because it's vitally important. And it's really important, as again, I think we said we have said before that when 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 we go to church, and particularly for our young people, when they go to church, they see that it is different. One of the worst things would be for young people to go to church and think, well, this is no different to the week. People just talk about the praying for the environment. Yeah. Or pe- people, you know, so I, people just talk about, you know, we've got to be inclusive. Well, what you're just preaching the gospel of the world at that point with both those topics, by the way. And the church needs to be countercultural, which is actually easier than, than you think these days. But it is, but it does require courage, and, and but it is possible. It is possible to do that. But it's so important that our young people come to church and realise, actually, yeah, it might be tough during the week, but I, here at church on a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening, I'm with other people who also know and love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, and they want to help me do the same, and that is massive. So, yeah, if your church is doing that, encourage them in that. And if they're not doing that, um, pray for them. Um, Go to a different church, one or the other. Mm -hmm. Shall I finish with a bit of scripture? That would be good, yes. (laughs) So I think I may not be surprised this is the one that particularly came to mind where in – Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus says this, and this is a a real warning, I think. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Hmm. Yeah, that is, those are stern words from the Lord Jesus, aren't they? And, um, it is a very, very strong reminder that we need to be ever so careful what we say, what we model, what we do with our young people um, and our children. And and as Christians, we have this amazing opportunity to to point people to Christ and to steer them away from sin. It doesn't mean to say they're going to be perfect. But it does mean that we are pointing them to that narrow path, the path to life, the path that is towards and is alongside the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and yeah, but yeah, it, it, do bear that verse in mind when you see things on the news um, or perhaps you hear about things when you're talking with somebody and think, oh, that's Jesus had something to say about that. Um, and that that can sometimes actually be a good verse to point out to people because people love to think about Jesus, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Well, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ if that's what you think. Mm. And, uh, yeah. Anything more to add? No, I think that's that's enough from me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's definitely enough from me. Right. Well, look, thank you for listening. Uh, we've got we've got um, more episodes uh, planned, uh, some exciting things uh, in, in the pipeline. Uh, please do share this podcast with those you think it would encourage, those you think it would exhort. Um, 
do uh, check out the links uh, on the link tree, which is on the Podbean site. You can uh, support the podcast, which is always really encouraging and helpful because it does cost us a little bit of money to produce this. Uh, so that's always helpful. Um, there's also the links to share the podcast. There's also Helen's Substack in there and a link to a small Telegram group, which we run just to share things which might be helpful or interesting um, in between podcast episodes. Um, so yeah I think that's it isn't it Helen got everything yeah I think so right well nice one we'll see you on the next one yep see you then